Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. So let's talk about what's going to happen in the 2016 presidential race now that it's pretty obviously going to be Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. If you've been paying attention to the news at all, you know that we've had the Indiana primary that ejected Mr. Kasich and Mr. Cruz from the race. Mr. Trump pretty much has it locked up on the right. And of course, Hillary Clinton has had it locked up for quite some time on the left. Both of these results might be surprising to those of you who are essentially stage watchers. And I don't mean that pejoratively or negatively, but stage watchers tend to watch what's presented on TV. Stage watchers watch the scripted moments. They watch the speeches. They watch the, uh, you know, the hugs and, and, oh, doesn't Mrs. Clinton look nice today? Oh, she changed her clothes. Oh, you know, Donald Trump said so-and-so about a press reporter. Oh, Donald, Donald Trump's aide, you know, touched a female reporter. There's been a lawsuit about that. All of that may be interesting at some level to some people, but usually it's the stats that tell the story. And I'm not a mathematician. I don't lean that way at all, trust me. But the fact is that Mrs. Clinton has had this wrapped up for quite some time. I know that Bernie Sanders is going to attempt to, remo- to, to reduce her delegate count at the convention and force a bit of a contested to convention or negotiated convention. But the fact is, uh, she's already got it. And Mr. Trump has got a little bit of more of a difficult road uh, because the party leaders are not with him, but he's pretty much got it wrapped up too. So what's this going to mean? Where, where does this take us? What is this mean uh, in America? Well, the first thing we ought to know that is that unless something dramatic happens, Mrs. Clinton is going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, she is so far in the lead of the overall general election count uh, that it's not even funny. Someone's going to have to die. Someone's going to have to be proven to be the Antichrist. Uh, someone is going to have to do something really, really stupid. But that's that. Th- those are, at this point, the facts. Uh, it's been that way for quite some time. The, the reality is that the majority of Republicans voted against Donald Trump. There were just so many people in the race that it took a while for that to shake down and for us to understand that that had been the case. But the majority of the Republicans voted against Donald Trump. In fact, contrary to much of what you've read and seen, a majority of evangelicals voted against Donald Trump, uh, and the party essentially is not with him. You've probably heard that neither of the former President's Bushes, uh, President Bush will uh, will be attending the convention or support Donald Trump. Mitt Romney will not attend the convention or support Donald Trump. Uh, a huge numbers of con- con- congressmen and senators will not attend the convention or support Donald Trump. Uh, many aides, many lobbyists, many consultants will not support Donald Trump. Uh, we are heading towards a very, very divided GOP. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, on the left, uh, on the Democrat side, it's very obviously now uh, an effort underway to coalesce around Mrs. Clinton, to show the Democratic Party as unified, uh, to show the Democratic Party as uh, really sort of putting the, the sword into the hands of their champion. And I think that Hillary Clinton takes it. And the stats are right now is that she will win. Why is that the case? 
Why will she win? Well, first of all, uh, there is the Donald Trump nut factor. Uh, I'm sorry to have to say it so bluntly, but the reality is that Donald Trump actually likes creating controversy. He likes saying startling things. He likes being bombastic. Uh, he likes being insulting. He likes that part of the New Jersey, New York sort of culture. Um, and he's angry. And so, yes, he certainly drew supporters who were as angry as he is, but he is not a statesman. He is not a healer. He is not a person who can move to the center. He is not a person who uh, wants to build a big tent party. And as I've reported in earlier podcasts, the truth is that the Democratic Party is quite a bit bigger than the Republican Party. And as a result, whoever's going to win on the right is going to have to be able to draw some Democrats and get their arms around some independents or what we used to call Reagan Democrats. Mr. Trump is not that man. In fact, he's not even going to have what should have been the secure base of the Republican Party with him. He's not even going to have the entire Republican Party. One of the consultants I know and trust say that probably 25 to 30 percent of the Republican Party will not vote for him. Uh, the stay-at-home factor will be huge, as it was, by the way, under Mitt, Ro- Mitt Romney. So all of this is to say that Mr. Trump is his own problem. The second reason that Mrs. Clinton is going to win and Mr. Trump is going to lose is that she is perceived as being further to the right than Barack Obama. And quite frankly, this nation is so hungry for someone who is who seems to be at least a little closer to traditional values, a little bit further to the right, uh, a little bit more hard-nosed on foreign policy, uh, a little bit more hard-edged about our enemies than has been Mr. Obama. People have a hard time knowing where Mr. Obama comes down on almost any issue. And his public statements in some cases have been astonishing, calling ISIS arguably our biggest enemy currently, uh, the JV. He was woefully ill-informed, and this is a man who gets a CIA briefing every day of his life. So people are desperate. The electorate shows, the polls show, uh, surveys show that people are desperate for someone uh, who is not extreme nutcase as Donald Trump appears to be to most people, surveys show, but uh, who definitely is to the right of Mr. Obama. Uh, The other fact is that Mrs. Clinton has been running for president for many years. Their war chests are huge. The favors that they are able to call in are huge. Their networking is huge. Um, And quite frankly, on the Democrat side, uh, it's it's just uh, too enticing of a goal to put the first woman in the White House, uh, something that the the Republicans could easily have done with a, with the right vice presidential nomination, um, and just chose not to do. So Mrs. Clinton is well financed. She's smart. She's experienced. Uh, people are made nervous by Donald Trump, and Mrs. Clinton is experienced, if nothing else, eight years as uh, first lady, years as a governor's wife, a secretary of state, U.S. Senate. Uh, party official. She she is extremely experienced, extremely smart, a lawyer in her own right. Um, and she simply will send the signals that she is competent and able to do the job. When you add that to the woman factor, and when you add that to the fact that in the vapor trail of Barack Obama, people are looking for anything that's to the right, to the to the that is seems to be certain and seems to be principled, then. 
I, I think that you're just talking about pretty much of a lockup unless something big and dramatic happens. Now, the first question that I tend to get when people, uh, when I'm talking about this, is people want to know about the emails. I know that a judge has recently decided to uh, perhaps subpoena Mrs. Clinton, and there are going to be uh, uh, perhaps some some more debriefings, some more hearings. Um, but I have to say that if the committee had anything solid against Mrs. Clinton, they would have already done it. They would have already played it. This has been drawn out for far too long. Even committee officials and investigating officials have said it's politically motivated. Did Mrs. Clinton break the law? Yes. Is it a serious heavy-duty crime that's going to land her in jail or remove her from the candidacy or the presidency? No. And if that was the case, if there was any charge of that size being discussed, then people would have already acted. What's going on now is a lot of Washington, D.C. theater. She's got to be in, 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 in investigated. She's going to be, uh, a subpoena is going to be issued. She's going to have to appear before the committee. Her staff are being interviewed. Uh, there are, there's discussion of charges. Now the FBI is involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This again is stage watching. This again is more window dressing. And if there was anything serious in the almost one year that this investigation has taken place, uh, then there would have been charges. And it's pretty much what they say on Law & Order from time to time. Uh, charge him or let her go. And I'm not in favor of Mrs. Clinton. I'm not a supporter of hers. But justice is not being done. And this is this is just absurd. There's not anything there that's going to keep her from running for president. So all of that to say, uh, it's going to be Mrs. Clinton. Now, what else do we need to know? What else do we need to think about? We need to be aware that in this upcoming general election, first of all, it's going to be longer than any other general election period of recent memory. And that's partially because the conventions are so much earlier. I think the first convention um, is is around my birthday. Uh, no, not really. That's in late June. Uh, but it's in July um, and so the conventions are almost a month to six weeks earlier than they have been previously. Uh, this is important because it means the general election is much longer, more money is needed. Uh, there's more of a direct head-to-head conflict that goes on over a more sustained period of time. Um, and it's also notable that the uh, the election day itself is a little bit later in uh, November than it usually is. It's on the 8th. And so that that does make a difference. Every day makes a difference when you're spending millions of dollars and uh, when the candidates are tired. So it's going to be a long, exhausting general election. The other thing is uh, that's very important for us to understand is that the majority of Americans do not trust either candidate. A majority of Americans do not trust Donald Trump. A majority of Americans do not trust Hillary Clinton. The sleaze factor with both of them is huge. And what I'm talking about now are not my opinions, but simply the polls and surveys of the American people. For the first time, we are going to run two people for president, neither of whom are trusted by a majority of the American people. That's massive. That's a huge commentary. And I want to say that what that's going to do is move the discussion very much towards religion. Now, that may sound odd to you, but I want you to consider that perhaps Donald Trump's clumsiest moments during the primary season was when he was trying to paint himself either as an evangelical or evangelical friendly, and he was holding up the Bible he'd been given by his mother, and he was, you know, just trying to to portray himself as uh, religion friendly. 
And I don't doubt that he's a Presbyterian. I don't doubt that occasionally he goes to Presbyterian church. And I don't doubt that he admires some evangelicals. But that Donald Trump is a deeply committed religious man, that he is principled, uh, that he is a devoted Christian as he likes to portray himself, I think we all know is very, very questionable. Uh, He also is not very articulate when it comes to religion, and that's going to be important because Hillary Clinton is very articulate. Hillary Clinton is a lifelong social gospel Methodist, um, though, quite frankly, I find it very difficult to find any ethical content in her religion. The fact is that she is well-studied, well-read. She is articulate. She knows her heritage. She knows her faith. She knows the Bible. I believe at a personal level, she reads the Bible and also reads uh, very much in Wesleyan literature. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she's, uh, you know, deeply devoted to the person of Jesus and that that permeates her entire life. But what it does mean is that she's a woman who's going to be able to stand up and articulate a, a religion in a way that's going to run circles around Donald Trump. Uh, a Pew Forum survey of late showed that 55% or so of the American people wish that there was more discussion of religion. They, uh, 90% of Americans believe in God. A vast majority of that 9% want their president to also believe in God and have a sense of ethics that comes from that belief and to believe in God's purpose for the nation. And so presidential candidates tend to want to present themselves that way. For some, it's legitimate. For some, it's not. Um, I can't judge uh, how much Mrs. Clinton is devoted to those particular beliefs, um, but she will certainly talk about them. Donald Trump will talk about them. He will talk about them in clumsy ways. And given that he is supported uh, by a huge number of evangelicals, the fact is that religion is going to be a major, play a major role in the general election. I have to say, too, that uh, though I expect Mrs. Clinton to win, though I expect the general election to be bloody, and though I expect it to be in large part faith-based, I think the, the broader issue, if we zoom out for a moment, of what's happening in this campaign season is that America is being rent. There is almost a civil war, and I'm not anticipating a civil war. Please don't misunderstand. But there's almost that kind of dividing going on in the country. People hate Donald Trump or they don't. People hate Hillary Clinton or they don't. As I've said, a majority of Americans don't trust either of them. And this election is deeply, deeply dividing this country. Perhaps as important, it's deeply, deeply dividing the Republican Party. The Republican Party is being rent in half by the Trump candidacy by the fact that the party leaders did not get ahead of the game. There was no party favorite. There was no orchestration. There were no smoke-filled rooms. And I know you, some of you will think, be shocked that I say that. But quite frankly, party leaders um, working with the candidates to bring about a party victory is an important part of the electoral process. And it doesn't mean that dishonesty is done. It simply means that we don't have the exhausting and expensive campaign season that the Republicans have now endured. Hundreds of millions have been spent, largely wasted, and now the one man most people did not want at the beginning, and the one man the majority of the uh, Republicans have not voted for or endorsed, uh, is now running for office. And he's one of the men who could not win. I mean, polls show that Mr. Kasich, who did not do particularly well in the primaries, could actually have defeated Mrs. Clinton. But Donald Trump, according to polls, has almost no chance. So, 
what I'm saying is here, we are, we are dealing with tremendous division. There's unbelievable division in the Republican Party. Again, the Bushes are not even going to show up for the convention. Mitt Romney's not going to show up for the convention. Um, and, and, of course, then you have other people who are positioning themselves now to be the vice presidential choices of Mitt Romney. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult. Relationships are going to be broken. Firms are dividing up and splitting. Um, there is going to be a very divided presentation at the Republican convention and, more importantly, in the Republican Party as a whole. But the bigger division is in the nation as a whole. And I think we are rife for the rise of a third party. Uh, I will tell you that if I tomorrow was going to start a third party, I would start a party called something like Common Sense America, and I would try to build on core American values without uh, regard to the wingnuts, and I would simply try to build a party that rallies around um, the solid sort of, uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington uh, kinds of values that most Americans want to rally around. But the parties have been taken over by extremists. They've been taken over by odd personalities. They've been badly managed. And there's been a good deal of corruption at the heart of both parties. And so now we're in the situation that we're in. I think you may very well see a centrist third party arise. I think you may very well see the reorganization of the Republican Party. And I think without question for the next season in American history, the Democratic Party is going to take the lead. Uh, it's very likely that after eight years of Barack Obama, you're going to see eight years of Hillary Clinton. I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But at this moment, that's where it's heading. And I think what you may see in that shadow is the rise of a third and more centrist party. And you also may see the very definite reorganization of the Republican Party. So overall, I am optimistic because I think Americans are energized. I think Americans agree on certain core values. Uh, I, I think that there's more agreement than there is disagreement and the country can run successfully. I know there are horrible issues involved. I know that the millennial stepping into the electorate has caused great dislocation and confused all the pundits. But overall, I think good things can come from this long term. That's the operative phrase, long term. Short term, I think this country's in trouble politically. I think there's going to be division. I think you're going to see huge uh, bloodshed in the general election. I think you're going to see religion used as a battering ram. And I think you're going to see a very disillusioned and disoriented electorate. That doesn't mean good things can't come long term. It doesn't mean that there isn't good to be done. It doesn't mean certainly at the local and state level that, that, that phenomenal leadership cannot do phenomenal things. But right now, our national politics are in the hands largely of nitwits. And it's time for that to change. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. His new book is Ask the Question, Why We Must Demand Religious Clarity from Our Presidential Candidates, available on Amazon. Learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is directed by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote, produced, and performed the podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.